Okay, I'm Nick Bircher, and this is the Nordic Future Makers podcast, a podcast about innovation and change. Today's Nordic Future Maker is Daniel Kafer. He's currently based in Doha, working for telecom giant Urdu, and before this, he was country manager for Facebook in Denmark. The latest thing for him is his author of a new book, and that's what we're going to talk about in detail as we go through today. So, Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Nick. Great that you could join us. So I think I'll go straight in. So first question, um, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do now, please? Sure. Yeah, so a little bit more about uh, myself. I come from a music family with my father being a composer and he owned part of a, a publishing company. I was also working in the media industry and I worked for Facebook for five years as a country manager in, the, in Scandinavia. But I've decided to, to move to the Gulf here in, um, in Doha, where I work for um, uh, a telco called Uridu. And, and what I do is I work for the group across a number of uh, telcos in different countries, across North Africa, the Middle East, and, and Asia. And in short, my responsibility as the group digital marketing director is to make sure that we use digital media as effectively as possible. So I work closely together with uh, Facebook, again, <laughs> and, uh, and with Google and with Snapchat, where we uh, visit the opcos and show them the best practices of, uh, of getting the most out of, uh, of these platforms, both in terms of, of uh, brand KPIs, but also in terms of increasing sales. So that is kind of the, the core responsibility I have. What appealed about Doha and what are the kind of differences with working in that part of the world compared to working in the Nordics? So I've always been curious about exploring the world and exploring how, how people work in different countries. And, and just going back a little bit, Facebook actually allowed me to do that because even though uh, the job was based in Denmark, I was working with, uh, with all the multinational companies who also had their divisions in other countries. So I was working quite globally there, which has always inspired me a lot. But to be honest, I also, I, I've always wanted to have more sunshine in my life, like <laughs> an <laughs> eternal summer, so to speak. So I, I finally decided to make the jump. I found the, the Gulf very interesting because they have these futuristic cities such as Doha and, and Dubai. But I also knew that I wanted to work for, for a company who would have a lot of subsidiaries in other countries. So I was looking at, at larger companies in the, in the tech field or in telco that would allow me to, to experience different cultures. So what is it like working at Oridu? Um It's a very global company. So in our commercial div- division, we have people from the US, we have people from Scandinavia, uh, yeah, different c- countries in, in, in Asia as well, and several European people as well. So it's, very, it's, it's a melting pot of talent and people, which I find really exciting. And you've written a book about a lot of this now, haven't you? So congratulations, first of all. You've written a book about digital transformation. Yes. I actually, I call it growth transformation. I think one of the things I noticed when I joined Facebook is that a lot of my C-level contacts, the first reaction I got about five years ago was, you know, sounds really interesting with Facebook, but you should talk with my digital manager. 
And I never understood that. I think, you know, the digital transformation belongs at the, the sea level, at least to start with. And what I noticed is that the word digital actually scared a lot of people away. Because when you mention the word, uh, the word digital, people say, oh, no, there'll be a lot of acronyms. I'm not sure I'm going to understand it. This is better left to the digital experts. And that is uh, why I called the, the book Growth Transformation, because I want everybody to listen, including uh, the, the C-suite. And I also want to kind of de-dramatize what it means to, to transform digitally. It does not have to include acronyms that most people do not understand. It is just about a smarter way of growing our business. Okay. And you talk about five trends that people really need to be on top of. Yes. So the first trend I'm talking about is reducing friction. And it just became very clear to me with talking with companies how important friction is. But also that it is often something people do not focus on. Because in a way, friction is boring. Friction are all those small, annoying things that stop people from buying. So friction could be that you can't really you know, complete the purchase or, or the product is out of stock or, or it doesn't work somehow. So all these friction points are not as fun to deal with as doing, for example, digital marketing and focusing on increasing sales. But it's really key. And I think one of the reasons that friction is becoming more and more important is because people have the choice now to avoid companies who give them too much friction. And what I mean by that is when, when you're on social media and, and you find, let's say, a nice pair of shoes, you don't really consider whether you have loyalty or tried this company before. If it looks nice, you press one button and you can buy. If you encounter friction, you, you might give up right away. It's annoying. You know, it didn't do exactly what you expected. And then you'll keep swiping in your feed and then you'll find another pair of shoes that you like. And if that company offers frictionless shopping, you know, you'll just choose them. I think that's a really interesting way of thinking of it because a lot of people talk about creating great experiences and you're thinking of it in reverse. Yes, that's a good point. And I often think that companies start at the wrong end. You know, they want to revolutionize something and then they might add friction instead of reducing it. So, and I think the issue here is that it's not visible how many billions in sales are lost every year because of friction. And we should also remember that sometimes technology adds friction. One of my examples in the book is about a travel agency saying, we just developed this new fantastic chatbot. No, we would love to help you, but please try our chatbot. And this chatbot just added friction. You know, I was in a hurry booking a, a, a a plane ticket to the US and booking the same hotel I always like. So I just, you know, just wanted to call them up and say, hey, I just want the same. I want to go in a week. I want to go back two days after. I want to stay at, at my favorite hotel. Um, and instead, they passed me on to this chatbot who did not understand anything I was saying or writing. And I think uh, in, in that way, by, you know, technology can take away friction, but it can also add friction. So I would encourage companies to kind of fix what is broken before building complex uh, technology structures that might not be needed. Uh, and what we're actually seeing is, even though technology seems to, to race uh, at an amazing speed, the expectations of people uh, move even faster. 
it's key to keep up and and people are very fast to explore other options if they meet these friction friction points okay so so that's the first the first on your list of things that people need to pay attention to yes that is the first so the second if i remember the order uh, correctly is the the lack of attention to advertising and again I, i i think the choice is the challenge here people have a lot of choice on what they want to view so TV used to be a little more uh, of a safe haven where you would focus on the screen. But with the introduction of the smartphone, that safe haven is gone. So when people are on, on social media, on YouTube, or watching television, you can't take attention for granted. And I think this is underestimated by advertisers. And I think most of all, our habits are tricking us here. Because we're used to creating these maybe 20 or 30 second ads with a kind of a slow build up. Then at the very end, you have an offer and you, you have a little bit of branding in the, in the middle or at the end. And it simply doesn't work anymore. I mean, the only way to, to make ads work on digital is to capture the attention right away, communicate super fast, make sure you have the branding up front and the message up front. And more or less do everything you need to do in five seconds. But I think the way we evaluate is still the more old-fashioned way. So, so we would sit at an ad agency with a full focus on the screen. And, and, and then we would say, yeah, you know, this is a great ad. I really liked it. But we're not considering that the user will see this on a smartphone. They will have their attention all over the place. They won't have the sound on. And they'll spend one to two seconds on the ad. And in that environment, most ads fail to do the job that they were intended to do, which was either creating some form of brand preference or starting the journey of of a sale. So it's not just editing for the screen, it's designing for the screen and for the the environment and and the moment that people are in. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a dynamic consumer behavior. Consumers continue to have more and more choice. And the, the younger you are, the faster you scroll, right? So you need to design for that consumer behavior. And, and if you don't, you can say the penalty is that you will spend on advertising just as you used to, but you, you won't reap the benefits because people won't get the point of what you're trying to communicate. And I think this is difficult to change because you have a whole industry who, who are used to, to having more time to communicate and they felt it was more fun to communicate in a world where you had the full attention of the viewer for an extended period of time. But you, you can't roll back uh, here. You know, uh, people will not start using more time on each creative and you have to capture that attention right away. So I think this will be really key. The good thing is I, I really do see companies starting to pick up on this and starting to improve and, and the agencies are starting to get this as well. But, but it's a key trend, and it's one of the most important ones to, to be able to tackle. And artificial intelligence has got a real role to play with everything from creative through to audiences, through to delivery and bidding and, and the whole, whole piece. Yes. So again, I think with artificial intelligence, it's really important to start simple. So there are things artificial intelligence can do better than, than humans. And this is not new to us. I mean, just look at TV planning. 
you might not even call it artificial intelligence, but you would have optimization programs telling you uh, simply, you know, the channel split that would give you the best reach and frequency for a campaign. And the planners wouldn't doubt that this would be the best approach to, to get the optimal campaign. And it's a bit the same now with targeting. Google and Facebook have so many signals on the consumers that they can do much more precise targeting than the, the marketer would be able to do. So a good example would, would be marketers trying to put the consumer to life by describing what that customer was like, saying uh, people who enjoy this kind of beverage would probably be modern people living in big cities, you know, in, enjoying movies in movie theaters or something like that. But but when you look at the actual data of who consumes this product, you know, the, the audience would be much less well-defined. But here, artificial intelligence can help us. So, you know, when, when you post the ad and you just let the algorithms uh, have a little bit of time to find out who actually convert, they will be much smarter than a human could ever be picking the right target group. So I think these are some examples where we can just go out of the way. We can also let algorithms help us judge which creative is more effective and we'll be able to feedback what is working and what is not. And I think this is this is one of your other points is about how the evolution of communication, so the speed of that and everything's kind of developing faster and evolving faster and brands and advertisers need to make the most of that as well. Yes, exactly. And I think we often overlook the speed because we're in the middle of it. I used to imagine how would we react if we were suddenly put 10 years back and then you gave somebody in 2010 an iPhone and had them talk to Siri and you would put them in a driverless car, just saying, okay, this is not the norm, but it's possible. And they would probably be surprised and say, wow, you know, it's, it's incredible how much has happened in 10 years. But today we, we take these uh, things for granted. And I think what is even more invisible here is in uh, the media landscape. Because, for example, using stories doesn't seem that new to us. But uh, it's uh, no more than like four years ago where stories was not a, a big advertising format. And, and still, we're just getting used to, to optimizing our ads for feed-based environments, such as the Facebook feed or the, the Instagram feed. And these time spaces to adjust are actually quite short compared to history, where you had print and, and then suddenly you, you had radio and, and TV to get used to. You had decades to kind of perfect the creatives to work uh, on these platforms. Now you have a, a much shorter time span. For example, you have stories, you have Facebook Watch, uh, you have Instagram TV, and you need to adapt. You need to learn very quickly what uh, what works well and what doesn't work on, on each format in order to be as effective as possible. And I can only see these formats speeding up. Uh, that, is, uh, that has been the move uh, for a very, very long time. So it seems like a, a very solid trend. And it will take uh, quite a lot of focus uh, from advertisers and agencies to be able to keep up. So you've got the five trends. You've got frictionless shopping and um, mobile commerce. You've got ad attention is harder to get than ever. The role of AI, how people have to use AI to really kind of make the most of the opportunity. 
and the fact that um, everything's speeding up. So the evolution of communications and communications platforms is getting faster and faster every year. Exactly, right. And, and the one I, I didn't address yet was, was kind of power of mobile. On a global scale, it continues that they, you know, there'll be more and more smartphones in the next 10 years. But what is also key is in developed markets, there, there might not be more and more smartphones, but there will be more and more advanced and people will feel more and more comfortable uh, making purchases from the smartphones. So what we're seeing right now is that people are, um, are comfortable buying from the smartphone when it comes to smaller things like fashion or movie tickets. But when there's bigger things like expensive electronics or if it's uh, travel, for example, they, they tend to prefer the laptop. But with uh, better and better smartphones and also people getting more and more used to them, we will see a trend that people will use them more and more for commerce and also to buy uh, bigger investments. Uh, so I think that will continue, that trend will continue to run. And the reason that is interesting is whether you actually think mobile first. So most companies are talking about mobile first, but still when, when you look at how marketing is done, it's very often that the ads are still made for, for television or maybe YouTube but used uh, on the PC as the first step and then as a second step you you make a more digital mobile friendly ad but as these trends continue it's it will be more and more logical for companies to think the mobile first and then later adapt the creatives for television so the book is called yeah so the book is called release the brakes on growth and then uh, as a, a subtitle growth transformation so the idea here is simply that there are certain things that we do that actually puts on the brake on growth. So these are mistakes we're doing in our digital marketing because uh, we have so many new tools in digital marketing that it's very easy to misuse these tools. For example, it's very easy to create very narrow target audiences so you don't reach uh, the, the full potential of your brand. It's very easy these days to just focus on performance marketing because you see a tangible sales result in the beginning. But in the long term, that will not grow your brand because, again, you focus on a much too narrow uh, set of customers. So, so releasing the brakes is about uh, first correcting some of these uh, mistakes that are done in digital marketing today. And then the second bit, making sure that you position yourself correctly in, in terms of these five trends. Uh, to, to enable even more growth. So, so this is kind of how I look at it, correcting some relatively simple mistakes and, and then kind of more visionary thinking about positioning your company for, for future growth. Okay. okay. And I guess um, a lot of the learning that's in the book is a result of you being the, the country manager for, for Facebook for Denmark for five years. So, so how did your Facebook experience help you formulate things in, and bring this to life in, in your head and, and on paper afterwards? Yes, yeah, so I think uh, meeting all these uh, companies in different countries, uh, what, what surprised me is how similar uh, their challenges are. I was actually expecting, when I, I've done workshops in, uh, everywhere from, from the US to a small village in Brazil and, and most of Europe and APAC. And the funny thing is the questions I get are almost the same. And the challenges people have 
are almost the same. So when I decided to, it was time to do something else than Facebook, it was just really interesting to, to sit down and, and ponder about, you know, what are the, the common threads around the questions and, and, and which changes are needed for, for companies to really pivot their growth and to get more out of the digital marketing. It actually it, it helped me uh, kind of gather when I started to gather these experiences, I, I could see that all the, the, the issues were around these five strengths, but also these uh, 10 myths that I'm debarking in the book on, on digital marketing. Okay, interesting. And I tend to ask people, what's, what are you curious about now? What, what are you paying attention to? But I think you've obviously spoken at, at length about this whole idea of growth transformation and releasing the brakes. So, so I guess that's your main focus currently. Yes, so I'm a big believer in, in uh, fixing the easy things first. And, and maybe easy is the wrong word here. So the part of kind of debugging the approach to digital marketing, even though it doesn't sound that futuristic, but simply, you know, the brilliant basics of, of how to use Facebook and Google to its full effect. That is where I have my, my uh, main focus, because it, it is an achievable uh, task. And, and the, the output is magnified so many times. I've seen examples of, of studies done where, where people are not following the best practices and the return on investment is, is well below one. And then when you do all these steps correctly, you know, you can have a return on investment on five or, or even 10. So I think uh, that is where I spent most of my time. But of course, I'm still very curious to see where artificial and virtual reality leads us and, and also where artificial intelligence will lead us and especially in, in what tempo we'll see it transform the world. So I think that's a really interesting angle, the, the idea of if you want to improve things and you want to do things well, it's not just trying to imagine some, some futuristic vision of 20 years' time. It's about there's a playbook of things that you can go through and fix now. And each one of those things you address makes things perform incrementally better every time you kind of apply those lessons. Exactly. And I think the, the, the good part is you don't have to apply everything. You, you can take it step by step. So in, in my book, I, I have these 10 myths that, that I go through in, in terms of what I believe doesn't work on digital marketing. And if you, your company, for example, uh, are applying some of these and, and they are kind of putting brakes on your growth, you know, just removing a few of them could give you quite clear benefits. So I, I think the good news is that, you know, don't try to be perfect. Just try to improve it step by step. The challenge is, of course, that this process will never end, right? We, we are now in, in a stage in time where the development of, of new platforms and new formats Maths will happen so quickly and that new learnings will come all the time. So, so we have to iterate all the time. But, but I'm a big believer in, in improving this step by step and simply iterating over to trying to, to kind of make the perfect plan, implementing virtual reality and artificial reality in the first step. Great. So I think that's a really interesting conversation. So Daniel, thank you. I've really enjoyed our chat. Great to catch up with you. And um, it's been fun talking to you and hearing your, your thoughts and your, your ideas. 
Well, thank you, Nick. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Daniel. I'm happy to do it again. Perfect. So to everyone else, um, Daniel is another great example of a Nordic future maker. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I hope you'll subscribe to the podcast and I hope you'll listen again in the future.